Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There has been plenty of uh, speculation, internet chatter over the course of the last couple of weeks about what the spring dates would look like for Georgia. We now know officially what they are, and that kind of creates a nice little conversation starter for us today in terms of when spring practice begins, when it ends on uh, G-Day, and how much fun is that going to be to be back in Sanford Stadium with the reigning national champions for that classic annual spring scrimmage. Let me give you the dates here officially so you can plan around all of this. Georgia good enough to share this yesterday, that it kicks off on March 15th, and we kind of knew that was going to be the uh, date there on that, but it is now official. If you're watching on video, you see the red dot or should say blocks on the calendar those are all the practice days that'll occur culminating in g-day on april the 16th now this is a little bit different than it has been because i believe that this g-day on uh, saturday april 16th is actually the day before easter that's mostly what george has been trying to avoid in the smart era now they're definitely avoiding the saturday of the masters they're doing that uh for sure but they've also been trying to avoid that saturday before easter honestly i never really knew that the day before easter was a thing uh (laughs) But apparently it is for a lot of folks traveling or whatever else. So they've been trying to avoid that day before Easter this year. They're not able to do that, though, I guess, for TV or whatever reason. So G-Day is going to be on April the 16th. And, you know, what that leads us to is, okay, that actually doesn't feel so far away. It's only a little bit more than a month from now. Georgia's going to be back to work officially. We'll be getting practice reports. We'll see some of this. We'll all be in Sanford Stadium for G-Day that we're actually not that far away from one of those kind of official moments of starting the 2020, not just 2022 calendar year, but the 2022 season there as well. And I think one of the things that we know is there is a lot of work for Georgia to do to be ready to go out and defend the national championship that's going to put a big old sign on its back, big target, big bullseye on the back of the Georgia Bulldogs because it is the reigning national champion, and a lot of work to do to be uh, ready for that title defense that's on its way and all those would-be challengers who kind of want to take Georgia down a peg on all of this. And I don't know that that this entire idea of what we need to learn about Georgia before G-Day, what Georgia needs to get done on the practice field and in the weight room and all that kind of stuff right now, but on the practice field before G-Day, I don't know that 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 could have been better articulated by anything other than what Kirby Smart said if you want to go back to National Signing Day a couple of Wednesdays ago. And the issue here is not so much the specific words that that Smart uses, but it's really more about the feeling that he conjures up. And you got to imagine if you're a coach, I mean, imagine the scenario where you work so hard and you try to get a team together. And some of you are teachers. And I think if you've been a teacher, you understand this too. It's like, okay, you, you start a year and you got these kids and they're all over the place, kind of like herding cats. And then over the course of the year, you kind of finally get them doing what you want them to do. You kind of finally have them trained the way that you want them to be. And then you blink your eyes. Now it's time to let them say goodbye. And they go on to be in somebody else's class at that point in time. And all of a sudden you got to start all over again. There's, there's a certain sense of just when things get going for a lot of you coach, like maybe youth league sports, you see the same thing. It's like, it's so hard to teach a young person how to play uh, a sport. And then you finally feel like you got them taught. Now the season's over. Now they're going on somebody else's team. And you got somebody else coming up the year after that, who's kind of just as untrained as they were, uh, you know, before, like, 
like in life, we experience a lot of this kind of thing. Apparently, head coaches of college football programs that get paid millions of dollars sort of experience the same thing where, you know, you work so hard to get a team ready. Now the season's over. Now you got to start from scratch over the brand new team. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of faces around here you don't even really recognize. Uh, Smart kind of gave voice to that a little bit last Wednesday. I thought this was kind of at least funny in terms of the fact that we've all been there in some form or fashion in life before. This is Smart talking about the challenge of starting over. Uh, good stuff from Kirby. Look at our, our 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 current roster here and the guys we have training. That we have some holes. I mean, there's you know every year I always say it. You go in that team meeting, the meeting after you're you're through with your season, regardless of how your season ended, you're looking around going, "Where's everybody at?" You know, uniquely in this case, there's 19 guys in the back of the room um, that are filling a lot of big holes in the front of the room, um, and that doesn't happen overnight. So I think that's really funny and smart. Also, the 19 guys he's referencing there are all the early enrollees from the 2022 class will help fill in some of those gaps. But I mean, that's a very human moment, I think, from smart of, hey, where'd everybody go? Where's Nicobe Dean? Isn't he supposed to be here right now? Where's Devontae Wyatt? Where's Jordan Davis? Where are, where's Trayvon Walker? Are they late? Where, where are all those guys? No, they're no longer on this team. They are now on the Chicago Bears or the you know L.A. Rams or the or the L.A. Chargers or somebody like that. They are no longer on this team uh, a- anymore. So uh, that's just kind of the challenge that that you deal with there. And Smart, I think, in that statement conjures up the feeling pretty well. But if you want some facts and figures to go along with what Smart says when he looks around and says – hey, you know, these are new faces and new places here with this Georgia team. The numbers backed that up there as well. Connor Riley wrote about this at DogNation.com earlier this week. Bill Conley is an analytics expert for ESPN, and he ranks every year. And this is always one of the pieces that I enjoy, a part of the typical preseason calendar of as we start really turning the page from the last season to the new season, one of the things we look at is, is returning production. And the notion of returning production is a little bit of an evolution of an idea. You may remember years ago, we talked a lot about returning starters. How many returning starters does this team have or that team have? But honestly, the notion of a returning starter is a, is a little bit of a misnomer or maybe it's a misapplied idea because in a place like Georgia, it's rotating a lot of guys. And so the definition of, a, of what a starter is at a place like Georgia at some positions is, is not always easy to determine because Georgia's playing so many guys. Plus, there are some teams that are just deeper and better than others. And so if you're a returning starter on a bad team, are you even a good player? We don't really know that. So what a lot of the stat-minded guys have done in recent years is say, instead of just counting returning starters, let's measure returning production. Let's look at the stats that you produced on offense and defense a year ago, and let's talk about the percentage of those stats that you're bringing back in terms of the players that produce them for the next year. And that becomes maybe a little bit more accurate reading of what you really have coming back than just returning starters and from that standpoint you know we mentioned a moment ago no more Devontae White no more Trayvon Walker no more Darian Kendrick no more Jordan Davis no more N'Kobe Dean all those guys gone and as you would imagine that's a huge reflection on the lack of returning production let's just keep it to defense here for a moment that's a huge reflection on the lack of returning production for the Georgia defense here in 2022 in fact Connor Riley gave us the number from Bill Conley that Georgia only returns 44% of its defensive production. That means total tackles, tackles for loss, sacks, passes broken up. You know, of, of the kinds of stats that defenses produce, the players that produce them, Georgia only brings back 44% of that here for 2022. That's 122nd out of 130 teams in the country. So on the basis of this stat from Bill Conley, ESPN.com, also written about at DogNation.com, Georgia is literally one of the most – 
or I should say one of the least experienced defenses in the entire country. And Smart says every year it kind of feels that way. You look around the meeting room and it sort of feels like there's all these new people here uh, or all these uh, people that you've depended on who are no longer here. And that's kind of a shock to the system when you first see it. The numbers kind of back that up. So that's really what spring practice is going to be about for Georgia. It's about figuring out who does step into all of this. Who does step into these new roles? And that's where I kind of want to park here for a moment because we can't really answer all those questions right now. We can certainly speculate with reasonable certainty about, hey, this guy's going to play a lot more and this guy's going to be really good. Watch out for this guy. We can we can do, a, do some of that and we'll get some of it right. And that's one of the fun things that we do enjoy doing from time to time. But what I want to do instead is I want to talk about the process by which Georgia goes through in all of this. And this is one of those things where I mentioned a moment ago that Georgia plays a lot of guys. And, you know, sometimes if you're one of the guys that feels like you should be playing all the time and you're sharing playing time, that can be a little frustrating. But if you're another guy and you're hoping for that chance to just show coaches what you can do, the fact that Georgia does rotate a lot, the fact that Georgia does seemingly consider all options, especially this time of year. I think that's one of the things that speaks pretty well of the program. And I think that's one of the things that helps keep players in the program. Because we know right now the transfer portal never really closes. And certainly post-spring practice for a lot of programs, there's going to be that turnstile that's spinning again and people are going to be exiting uh, whatever program they happen to be in. But this is one of those things where Georgia kind of seems to excel at least uh, a little bit, where all options kind of get considered. And one of the things that caused me to think about that a little bit was I saw where Dan Lanning was being interviewed by one of the local reporters up there in Eugene, Oregon, about what he learned from coaches he used to work with. Obviously, one of those being Kirby Smart, Mel Tucker, the guy that was defense coordinator at Georgia that uh, Lanning uh, also worked under and spending some time around Nick Saban, things like that. And like one of the things that Lanning said in this interview was, hey, all those guys, the Kirby Smarts, the Mel Tuckers, guys like that, they're all what he called lifelong learners. And he went on to say, that they're also kind of willing to consider every option in any kind of challenging situation, like maybe the idea of having to figure out who is going to step up and provide some defensive production in 2022, given the fact that so many of the guys who contributed to that in 2021 are no longer here. And in fact, let me show you this quote from Dan Lanning on this topic a little bit more and keep this in light of the challenge awaiting Georgia this spring, figuring out who's going to step up on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Lanning says, at Georgia, we spent a lot of time talking about the scenarios that could come during the game. Sometimes they happen. Sometimes they don't. But I thought those guys, Coach Saban, Coach Smart, Coach Norvell, Coach Tucker, they, these are guys that Lanning's worked with in the past, they all did a good job of seeing the big picture and not being surprised. Isn't that interesting from Dan Lanning? The interview comes via 24-7 Sports that they just consider every option, every player. Hey, maybe we need to play a former walk-on like Dan uh, Jackson. Maybe we need to play a former three-star like uh, Adani Mitchell at wide receiver. Maybe we need to do this. Maybe we need to do that. Like Every option is considered. Think about William Poole, a guy from the 2017 class who at Georgia waited a long time to get his shot, but near the end of the season got that shot. I think most people would say he really played pretty well for you in a national championship game. All options get considered, and all of that starts during spring practice. So how does Georgia begin filling all these needs and, and replacing all these departed stars? It starts with looking at every available option during spring practice and giving everybody a chance to make sure they feel like they're a part of the process and they have a chance to earn big-time playing time and to one day be a guy that's revered like the guys that are – uh, we're here in 2021 and are no longer here. And in fact, let me echo this point even more, if you don't mind. Because if you read the full interview that Lanning gave, 
So much of what Lanning says there sounds so similar to other things we've heard other coaches say in the past about working with Kirby Smart. That theme of every option is going to be considered. Every scenario is going to be accounted for. Every possible thing that could happen is, is going to be looked at. And, and the entirety of the roster is going to get their chance to show what they're all about. Or the entirety of the roster is going to get considered for how they could help contribute to this football team. Because what Lanning said there to 24-7 Sports is actually pretty similar to what Sam Pittman, now Arkansas head coach, said when he was on, you know, the Pardon My Take, the, bar, the Barstool Show uh, PFD commenter and a big cat they were talking to him about working for Kirby Smart and what uh Pittman said to PMT very similar to what Lanning said there in the 24-7 sports interview so let me give you just kind of a quick reminder of that I, I read that you have six centers on your team this year is that still true you still got six of them still have six you know I you know there's two people that handle that ball every snap every snap and that's the center and the quarterback you know, on Saturday mornings we have our meetings, and and I know Cody gets mad at me, but I'll go. Okay, what happens if he goes down? Okay, what happens? We'll get to the fifth center, sixth center, the fifth left tackle. And to be honest with you, Kirby Smart used to do that to me when I was coaching over at Georgia too. And I was going, "Damn, he thinks we're going to get to the a hundredth left tackle." But to be honest with you, last week we, you know, we we got hurt, we got beat up, and one kid played three different positions. It's really interesting, right? Both in terms of the descriptive detail that Pittman goes into, but also the overlap with what Dan Lanning said there too, that every option's considered. So let's finish it this way. How does Georgia replace all that it lost a year ago? Literally among the least experienced defenses in the country returning for 2022? How do they fill those gaps? How do they fill those holes? Well, to listen to Sam Pittman from PMT or to listen to Dan Lanning from 24-7 Sports, the answer would appear to be, they will, in painstaking detail, look at every possible player in this roster to see what they all bring to the table. Strengths, opportunities to contribute, chances to become a bigger player on the field than maybe even their recruiting profile would have suggested. That you get the impression that this is where the foundation gets laid for a program like Georgia to have the success that it's enjoyed. That on the practice field, everybody gets to feel like they have a chance. Everybody gets to feel like they could make a name for themselves. Nobody's too buried in the depth chart or too anonymous based on the recruiting profile to have a chance to emerge as a big-time name. And we could cite countless examples of players who've proven that to be true. That's what's fun about spring practice. I love the fact that it's almost here, and I cannot wait to see who emerges with a big chance with available playing time on down the line. I'm Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. Great to have you with us, no matter how you get to us. 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that on video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref, podcast form, wherever you find them, all the various podcast players, happy to have you there, including posts and show at the worldfamousdognation.com. And of course, all of this would not be possible without our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. I talked a moment ago about just how dedicated and devoted Kirby Smartest coaching staff are to finding all the available options to help fill in some gaps with some big names no longer in this Georgia defense. That's the same kind of determination that Meriwether and Tharp shows for their area of expertise, which is the divorce process. And that's not a very comfortable topic sometimes. It's almost one of those things where it makes me a little nervous to even mention it to you because, let's face it, there's a lot of emotional weight that's connected to that word, that idea of divorce. But let's face it, it's also a fact of life. It's the kind of thing that for some people they are going to have to deal with that. So if you find yourself in that reality, then 
put somebody beside you with you uh, to walk alongside you and to, uh, to advise you, to educate you about the process. That's what Meriwether and Tharp can do for you. Go to the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. They're your source for Georgia divorce, and when you check out the website, you'll find out why, the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. You can set up an initial consultation with one of their attorneys. Tell them your story. They want to listen to your story because sometimes it's just kind of nice to have somebody listen to you. And then after that, they want to explain what can happen when you hire them to do great things for you and to set you up for a much happier next season of your life. So trust my friends at the Atlanta Divorce Team. I do truly consider Meriwether and Tharp my friends, and I think you'll find the same thing to be true there as well. The AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. That's the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com for Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. All right, we're going to get Terrence Edwards coming up in a little bit here as part of a Marlowe's Tavern insider update. Looking forward to doing that. Before we do that, though, let me spend just a couple of minutes on a recruiting topic for a moment as we go around the doghouse. So the other day, Kirby Smart was asked about the recruitment of Christian Miller. I believe that Miller is a very good-looking defensive line prospect. He made his announcement on the February National Signing Day, got a lot of attention for doing so. But whenever Miller would have announced, he would have just been a big-time addition to the Georgia class at whatever point it came. Gets probably some extra attention because it was February, but that's probably well-deserved extra attention. And in the Signing Day press conference last Wednesday, Smart was asked, You know, how is it that you win with a guy like Christian Miller? Now, I want you to listen to the word that Smart uses over and over here in terms of what worked with Miller. And I'm going to tell you after this why that's important. This is Smart describing how Georgia won with Christian Miller. That's probably the number one determining factor on a a high character, high quality kid. You know, he comes from a tremendous family uh, and consistency. When when I've lost kids that I feel like we should have gotten, the, probably the number one factor was did we recruit him with the correct consistency? And when a kid honestly tells you he's going to another place because they can, they recruited him more consistently, it, it, it makes it even more evident that you've got to be consistent. And I'll say this, we and Trey Scott and staff were extremely consistent with Christian Miller and it paid off because the message didn't change. The consistency didn't change. He valued relationships and he saw, you know, December, what happens with guys moving all over the place. And when you've got a little bit of uh, continuity, it, it certainly moves you up uh, the board and the ladder in these kids' eyes. And we've been able to have that and sustain winning success. So you tend to attract um, people that have the same mindset you do. And I think Christian and Trey have a lot of the same mindset. So hopefully you notice what I noticed there, the fact that Smart used the word consistency over and over again, saying that was very important in the recruitment of Christian Miller. And Smart goes so far as to say, when you don't win these kind of recruiting battles, you look back and say, hey, were we as consistent as we needed to be? I think that's very interesting, especially in light of what another recruit is saying right now. Kamani McClain is a five-star quarterback for the 2023 class, and it's largely thought, he's from Lakeland, Florida, it's, 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 it's largely thought that Georgia is a big factor in McClain's recruitment. And something that McClain said on social media the other day kind of gets my attention in light of the fact that Smart talks about how important consistency is in not just the recruitment of Christian Miller, but but prospects of a similar caliber. You got to make sure you are sending a very consistent message to them. Georgia can do that with defensive line because Trey Scott's been here. Trey Scott's got a track record for success. 
But we've seen a scenario where, hey, Jamal Adai leaving after just one year on campus, after Charlton Warren left, uh, after a brief tenure prior to that, that suddenly the Georgia defensive backs coaching situation doesn't seem quite so consistent. Is that a problem? And let me show what Kamani McLean says on Twitter here. Maybe uh, you'll find it interesting. He says it's hard to make a decision, he means about his college choice, or at least we presume that he does, when it's different coaching staff every other day and you're having to rebuild another relationship with another person for a school you want to attend. Now, we don't know if McLean's talking about Georgia when he says that on Twitter or not, but we certainly know that it could be. And you may be thinking that I'm taking this conversation in the direction of, oh, be careful, Georgia's going to have a problem with Kamani McLean. The honest truth is I don't know that that's going to be true at all. My guess is that Georgia probably remains in a pretty good uh, situation with McLean and whoever ends up hiring as a replacement for Jamal Adai, assuming that is another defensive backs coach. My guess is that things are going to probably still work out fine. That's actually, it's actually not my purpose of bringing this up to say that Georgia's not recruiting McLean in a consistent fashion because, honestly, we don't, we don't fully know all of that. I just think that stories like this, five-star McLean, who's going to have his choice of going anywhere, Christian Miller, four-star, high four-star defensive lineman have this choice of going anywhere. The fact that consistency is so important with them, I do think that should be a reminder of what truly matters to recruits, especially in a landscape right now where there seem to be certain people who want to usher in so much change to college football. And the change all seems to be centered around the notion of making the relationship that players have with their programs more transactional. Folks want to make them employees or, or, or you know, take away the, the, the relationship that's existed before. But when you really listen to recruits talk, whether it's McLean on Twitter, whether it's smart about Christian Miller in the audio clip from a moment ago, that these are recruits that don't really want, at least based on the circumstantial evidence we have, they don't want their relationship with their school or their coach to be transactional. That's not what they seem to want. They seem to want it to be relational. They don't want to be an employee of an organization. It seems like, not to be you know too corny here, but it almost seems like they'd rather be a, a member of a family here. And I just think we got to keep that in mind, that there are a lot of people, for lack of a better phrase, that all they really see from players is a vessel of economic potential, and that's not the way players see themselves. It's just not. They want to go to a place where they feel like there's going to be some day-to-day consistency. And the thing they're more worried about, at least it seems like, is is the coach who recruited me going to be here? And are the promises that are made to me, are those promises going to be kept? Even for the big-time recruits like Christian Miller and Kermani McClain, that seems to be a little more important than some of the other things that are pushed on us all the time. Maybe just something to follow away and to think about. That is Around the Doghouse. And, of course, it's great to have you on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. Before we're done, we've got a little bit more recruiting stuff we're going to do in relationship to what one recruit's saying to another. If you're a UGA fan, I think you're going to really like this. We will do all of that coming up. But for now, on everything happening around UGA, and at least in some respect, what is it that recruits want? And how do stories like this kind of help educate us on that? Let's find out about it all here with uh, Terrence Edwards. It's a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Great to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Terrence Edwards, great voice, talking Georgia football, guy who knows it from the coaching side, guy who knows from the player side, and guy who's just a passionate follower of the sport all the way around. Good to have him here with us today. Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. And Terrence, if you don't mind, let me begin right there for a moment. We heard from a five-star cornerback a moment ago. We don't know if he's talking about Georgia, but we presume that he could be when he says, hey, when coaches are changing a lot and you're having to 
to, to reconsider something new about a school you might want to attend that makes them a little uncomfortable. Kirby Smart also describing how, you know, consistency was an important factor in winning a battle for a guy like, say, Christian Miller, the four-star defensive lineman. Terrence, you work with a lot of players who go on to play, you know, college football. How much are they bothered by this time of year where position coaches really at all programs are just changing all the time? And, you know, whether it be December it happens or now in February and there could be some more of these for some programs still left to come how tough is that for the recruits and how bothered are they by all of that it's very tough uh I think a lot of people think that players choose the school but most of these players choose who's coaching at these schools uh I think Kirby has done a, a great job of building a brand at Georgia especially defensively and it's hard when now we on our third cornerback coach in three years. That's just tough for any recruit to go in. I want to be coached by this cornerback coach or whatever positional coach, and he leaves after signing day. That's tough. That's tough for a kid when that guy sits up in mom's living room, uh, eats mom's chicken and whatever they they're cooking. Uh, sure. Now that coach leaves after signing day. So just imagine how that feels to these to these kids. So. They're gonna they're gonna take a, a look at that. They, that's gonna be something that recruits, I think, look at now because I haven't seen this much coaches movement. We talk about players' movement, but I haven't seen this much coaches movement in a long time either. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that is that is something that these players are going to look at. I think you're right about that. And, and Terrence, one of the theories that I've expressed is is that we hear a lot of talk about, oh, maybe players should unionize. Maybe they should push to be declared as employees as opposed to what they have been before, which is student-athletes. That I can have a theory. Now, I'm not a former player, nor you know, am I as close to, to current players as you are. But I have a little bit of a theory that stuff like this is actually more important to the average player than the chance to go be a part of some, you know, NFLPA style, you know, players union thing where all of a sudden now I'm kind of an employee with all the benefits, but also hassles that come with that as opposed to what I can be, which is a young man growing up under the direction of some coaches that I want to put my faith and trust in that that the actual average player is a little bit more concerned with these kinds of things than he is with the idea of some sort of you know national labor relations board type type issue would you agree with that i agree i think uh you know that's something that was never talked about when i played now trying to unionize and and get uh get a a, a somebody at seat at the table to kind of uh give these players a little option. I think the, a lot of things with the transfer portal and the NIL deals have kind of came from those unionized type talks and try to give the players a little bit more, uh, feel like they, they have a little bit more power. Uh, but it's, it's, you, know, you just got to think, I think a lot of adults that are fans kind of look at these kids and like, you know, all you all want is an NIL deal with the most money. I think a lot of these kids are going to, who they feel the most comfortable with. Yes, that may play a part with NIL deals and whatnot, but they're still they still want to be coached by the best because most of their these kids' dreams are playing in the NFL at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think the other thing I would say too that you know the, the players that I talk to, and you know, let's go away from like say a guy like a Reed Gilbert or Jermaine Burton, guys that you've uh, 
you know, who you've tutored, who they're going to have their options go wherever they want to. These were big time recruits. They had, you know, every scholarship off there was. But for the average high school player, that's not what their story is. They're just trying to get the Division One scholarship, right? There's a lot more players who are trying to get that first offer than there are guys who are trying to sift through 100 offers. And the thing that concerns me is the more we move in the NIL world and transfer portal world and unionization world, it sort of seems like with every one of these changes, we end up seeing fewer guys sign out of high school. And the number of total scholarship athletes for the 2022 class seems to be lower than it was in 2021 and that that number seems to be lower than it was in 2020 that you know I think I think there's a reasonable argument to be made for you know player freedom and a chance to make money off your name and your image and likeness I, I certainly understand that but this is a much broader conversation I believe than just that because you know when you make a decision that maybe benefits a few I think you have to look at the unintended consequences for how that impacts other people and Man, if we just have fewer scholarships being offered across the board and fewer high school guys getting a chance to play college football, I just don't know how that's better for the sport or, or the players that play the sport over the course of the long term. Oh, I agree. Uh, yeah, I tweeted out the other day that uh, that Eric Gibbert, Jermaine Burton, this is not going to affect them. I tweeted out that it's the tier three and four kids yeah. that is going to be affected by this. And uh, yes, we all know schools can tell or, or recruit that you have an offer. But, and I've never heard of this till recently, a committable or a non-committable offer. Well, if you offered me, shouldn't I be able to take this scholarship? And kids are posting, I have 30 to 40 offers. And then once that it's time to sign that letter of intent, there's no schools that are waiting. And I'm telling kids now, ask the school when they, when they offer you, ask them, can you, is it a committable offer? And if it is, you might as well commit on the spot because if you wait until signing day or February signing day, that scholarship is not going to be there because we're waiting on a player out transfer portal right now. And I, and I understand it from a coach's perspective is why, you know, I give a scholarship to an 18-year-old kid where I could go give it to a 20-year-old kid who mm-hmm. played college football already, who understands the life of, of a college athlete. But that's just going to hurt a lot, a lot of tier three and four kids are looking to play college football on a high level and they don't get that opportunity. And I also tweeted that I can't remember what HBCU school it was. They signed 26 kids out of the portal for their signing class. No high schoolers. So it definitely has affected the game and the way recruiting uh, has came about. Um, but my focus is on those tier three and four kids. Yeah. Those I'm not worried about the kids that's going to have the crazy offers and, and committable offers. It's the three, four kids that now is waiting on the likes of a power five and it never comes. And they use that last two or three um, scholarship for a poor kid. No, that's exactly right. I'm, I'm glad that you said what you said. Let me transition to a different, different topic for a moment. I talked before you joined us about the big need that Georgia has this spring to find some new faces to fill in for some guys who are big-time stars a year ago, especially on defense. Georgia, one of the least experienced defenses in the country, returning for 2022 based on some of the metrics that are out there. And this is where I really believe that Smart's ability to kind of manage the full roster, you know, Smart seems to give everybody – kind of a fair shot here you know you've had guys that have waited a long time for playing time that emerge over the course of the end of the last season like a William Poole you have former walk-ons that get their chance like a Dan Jackson you know it seems like that really nobody has 
any justifiable reason to feel like they're buried on the Georgia roster that kind of everybody gets that chance we've heard former coaches say hey smart's always thinking about every possible contingency every possible you know you know way down deep on the depth chart every possible contingency there and if that really is true about smart that kind of attention to detail and that kind of knowledge and obsession over the full roster probably serves Georgia pretty well right now as it tries to find a bunch of guys to kind of fill in on defense after a whole bunch of major contributors from a year ago are no longer here is that fair it's very fair I think uh for the defense line standpoint uh we rotate so much now it's just that second group who was considered the second group is now considered the starters and that third group now is considered the second group and they really have to focus and get better in this spring to really uh, play like the second group played this year. It wasn't uh, much of a drop-off. And I think that's the reason Kirby uh, does it. I mean, he likes them to play fast. He likes bigger guys that can run. Um, but he also, I think he also do it so he can have uh, a lot of guys that are maybe rotational, feel like, you know, they're getting the proper playing time as being backups. And uh, we rotate a lot. So a lot of guys are going to have to step up right now. I think this is the most important part of the season. Yes, we see the games on Saturday, but fans don't see what's going on right now. Um, it's, it's Coach St. Clair. It's time for him to be Curry Smart. This yeah. is his season. This is the weight room. And this is where you build character. This is where you build leadership. And now this, these guys are going to have to step up and be that leader. And it, it doesn't start in the spring. It starts right now. I think uh, this time of the season is the most important time of the season to build a team and this where character integrity all that comes into play in this season right now I think that's really well said uh, before we're done I got one more topic I want to address with you and then I also want to celebrate what I think is some really good news for the Edwards family that I want to talk to you about in a moment too before that let me remind folks this is our Marlowe's Tavern insider update Terrence Edwards of course our UGA football insider but you can be a Marlowe's Tavern insider and listen that's really cool in and of itself because we love the chef inspired food and the craft cocktails that you get at Marlowe's Tavern. We also love the chance to get the best offers that are available throughout the year when you become a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club member. And in fact, you're going to get a big signing bonus just for signing on. You're going to get, how about this? When you uh, go to Marlowe's Tavern.com and become a member of the Insider's Club, you're going to get $10 off, $30 at Marlowe's Tavern simply just for signing up. Then after that, just dine at Marlowe's Tavern. When you spend at least $15 in food and beverage, you're going to earn a qualified visit. Now, after you get four qualified visits, you're going to receive a compliment entree uh, that can be worth up to $20 on your next visit. So it's all kinds of savings like that where you just get great deals on great food. And you can also um, uh, check this out at any of your local Marlowe's Taverns. You're going to get special offers for your birthday. By the way, i got a birthday coming up here too. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so Marlowe'sTavern.com, find out how you can become a member of the Insider Club and enjoy all the delicious desserts and the craft cocktails and the chef-inspired food, uh, special menu items throughout the year just check that out at your local tavern uh marlowe's tavern for a lot more on that at marlowe's tavern.com so terrence one of the topics that came up earlier this week is a concern that exists in the part of some and this is i think totally fair we've seen examples of this in the sec where hey you win the national championship and all of a sudden maybe you lose your edge all of a sudden you're maybe not what you were that complacency does creep in and you're a football player you understand that that you're always trying to prove something to somebody but all of a sudden when you're the champ you don't have quite as much to prove anymore. And so you got to try to find that new way to get that new level of motivation. How do you think UGA fights against that complacency here for this upcoming season? I think it starts right now. Like I just said, it starts right now. It starts to let that, that team is over with. This is not 
the 2021 team. This is the 2022 team. And how are you going to leave your mark? Uh, the Jordan Davis of the world is not walking back through that door. Then the Kobe Deans of the world is not walking back through that door. Now it's up to you to leave your legacy. So it's up to starting with the strength and conditioning staff to get these guys, you know, recalibrated to, all right, that season is over with. We have to now focus on the 2022 season. Yes, we're dealing with kids. But I think Kirby do a great job in his staff of grounding these kids and keeping these kids understand that, you know, they're not as good as they think they are and they're not as bad as they think they are either. So I think it's, this staff will do a great job. I think hiring a BMAC at receiver position coaches is going to pay off tremendously. I've already heard from some of the receivers the differences. Uh, not either one is better than the other, just a different approach, and uh, they're taking to him right now. So it, it's just up to – and the leadership of the team has got to be important. We keep talking about and keep harping on the leadership, and it, it takes those guys to, to really get these younger guys, these freshmen, these redshirt freshmen to understand what it takes to be a Georgia Bulldog, and it's up to uh, everyone. It, it takes a collaborative effort to get these guys to really understand and buy into the 2022 season because the 2021 season is over. Really good stuff, Terrence. And let me mention this as we uh, go out the door here. I, I know how much you love your alma mater, the University of Georgia, but I also know how much you really love your high school alma mater, Washington County. How nice is it to see your brother, who's obviously done a great job at Riverwood High School here in the Atlanta area. Uh, they were a very good team this year. Going back home uh, to Washington County to be head coach, what does that mean to you to see that from him? Oh, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's a dream come true for my parents. Uh, my parents are still living in Washington County now. Um, my dad and mother don't have to drive up to Atlanta to see yeah. their son coach, and now he's right there back where it started. He kind of started this whole dominance that we had at Washington County in his senior season. Uh, coach Rich Tomlin's first season, they went 14-1 and and lost in the state championship game to Mitchell Baker. Mm-hmm. So now he's just got to go back into the town that, that made him and myself who we are as, as men, as people. Now he gets to go back and serve his community. Um, I'm so happy for him um, and his family, especially for my family that's still in Washington County. And uh, and it's crazy that he's going to be coaching a lot of his classmates and people he went coaching their kids. So it's exciting times, and everyone is excited about it. And I have to really get Joel Ingram his flaws of doing a great job of serving our community for the past 22 years. Um, so now it, it's Robert's turn, and, and everyone seems to be in full support of him. And now I'm just waiting to see how he translates. I know what he's done in Greene County. I know what he's done for the Riverwood program, yeah. and I'll expect anything else from him but to do the same in Washington County. And it's great to me because, listen – you played in the NFL. You played a long time in the CFL. You're a record-setting college player. Robert was a dadgum first-round pick. And, and and yet, there's that still bragging rights that comes from your high school career that seems to linger for so many of these guys, including you and your brother, for such a long time. And I love seeing this, whether it be you know how maybe Mike Bobo feels about being in Tom, from Thomasville or you know you, you can cite a, a thousand examples of this of hey you know where you came from where you played in high school I don't care what you do college NFL wise there is still going to be a great locker room argument that's always going on about who was doing it better in high school whether it be middle Georgia or south Georgia or the Atlanta area or whatever else that those bragging rights never die no matter how good you go on to be folks are still bragging about those high school teams right Oh, most definitely. I still talk about my teams and um, <laughs> Joe Burns. Joe Burns is you know they played at Tech, really good sure. friend of mine. We came out and we always argue about his Tomlin County Central team versus my Washington County 
team. So then that that those arguments would never die. And Love I would it. put my teams up against any of the current teams, past teams. Um, I think we, especially my senior year when we beat Reggie Brown in a state championship game, I just think that team with myself and Jesse Miller, another Washington kind of great, I just think we'll just, Tougher, bigger, stronger, faster, mentally, physically tougher than everyone else. I like and I've seen this now, and I've been out of high school for 25 years. So now my brother get opportunity to be back in that locker room where he started, where it all started, where he earned his opportunity to go to the University of Georgia in the house of pain. I, I so like I'm excited for him. I, I like it, Terrence. That's awesome. I knew you'd have something great on that. Hey, remind folks real quick before we let you go how they can get in touch with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy and the great work that you're doing. Bubble work is going on when it's not too cold anyway. Uh, bubble work is uh, going on, so remind folks so they can be a part of it. Yes, bubble work is going on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 to 7.30. So we have a session tonight with the great Ron Bill as the quarterback wow. coach nice. as well. So we – uh. And if you want to learn how to get uh, your son as a quarterback or a receiver, okay. uh, reach out to Ron Bill on Twitter and reach out to Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for being here for our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Really appreciate that. Look forward to uh, getting a chance to uh, chat with you again very soon, too. Uh, thank you so much, Dan. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Tell you right now, man. I love getting these guys time with their high schools because I we all love high school football. At least a lot, a lot of us do, and the pride that exists about you know being a part of that. You get a chance to go back home, and it is it is really cool to see when you know you know a lot of these communities are are deeply entrenched, and so you do see, hey, you know, dad played here, now son's playing, or maybe granddad also played there as well. I just love that about the state of Georgia, and I'm so proud that we have so many communities like that, like in Washington County, where the roots run so deep and. Tell you right now, Robert. You know we we talk about Terrence being a coach, uh, obviously a, a lot. Robert's a very good coach. He did a very good job at Riverwood, and I, I don't know. Uh, just just really really cool to see. You see a lot of this with the the program you know, UGA, where where a guy comes through the program, comes out on the other side, and now he's a coach contributing. And it's one of the things I like. I, I like the idea that that there's a legacy in the program where players um, where where players you know become coaches because. That's how you make the sport better is, is you take guys. And in Robert's case, you know, listen, he's first-round pick. He has obviously the horrible injury, and folks that were kind of around back then can, you know, kind of know how you know, tragic that was, took away a, a promising NFL career. And who knows how that, you know, how his future was changed because of that. Maybe he doesn't gravitate towards coaching. But we need guys like Robert Edwards and Terrence Edwards in that coaching ranks. We need those guys populating uh, the high school world with that, you know, you know, training up guys for college or just training up guys for life, making boys into men. We need that. Boy, do we need that. And uh, guys like that doing a great job, and I love to see it. Let's transition now, SEC through, or as we call it around here, cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And I've got my own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation here coming up uh, pretty soon. I told you earlier that my goal was try to be tan all winter. Now, I don't really feel like I'm quite doing that. I was pretty tan coming back from Miami in the Orange Bowl. Uh, probably had the tan die down a little bit, but I got my own personal uh, uh, Royal Caribbean uh, cruise here coming up pretty soon. You better believe I'm going to come back tan from that. I'm probably going to ditch the scarf when I come back from that because it sort of feels like weird to be super tan also wearing the scarf. Plus, at a certain point, you got to get humble and hungry for the new season there as well. But the point is you can get your own Royal Caribbean cruise for yourself there as well. 2022, a big year for all that, including some big plans here with the Dog Nation there too. So check them out, tcava.com. That's the website for the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They're going to tell you about, if you're watching this uh, screen right there, you see Perfect Day Coke, okay. Uh, you also see some of the beautiful ships in the fleet.
athlete, just some of the most amazing things. And it's just, it's remarkable how much the Royal Caribbean cruise ship experience has changed over the years. The ships just get, keep getting bigger and keep getting nicer and more interesting, more things to do, and including, you know, like if you're on a ship like, uh, you know, say Harmony of the Seas, for instance, which goes out of Port Canaveral, which is just, you know, short drive from where I am, it's very close to Orlando. You know, they have the ship kind of divided off into different neighborhoods. You have like a central part, like, you know, like a true Central Park type vibe uh, on the ship. You have a Royal Promenade, which is, you know, like being, you know, kind of walking like a downtown type thing. But it's inside the uh, the uh, cruise ship. You got a perfect day, Coco K. You see the private island right there in the Bahamas. There are just so many fun things to do on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. So many fun ports to visit. So many great shows to see. The Aqua Theater. Uh, the the Broadway-style shows. It's the kind of thing you need to experience. Check them out. The Cruise and Vacation Authority. That's who we use to book our Royal Caribbean cruises here. Check them out. TCAVA.com or give them a call. 770-952-8300. All right, let's go cruising around the SEC here today. Now, this is a little bit different flavor because a lot of this is pretty, pretty Georgia-heavy for right now compared to... Uh, uh, what we typically do. One of the things we're kind of waiting on is we're waiting on resolution in the Brian Harson situation. So that's kind of a placeholder right now. We'll kind of figure all, all that kind of stuff out. I'd invite you to check out the uh, piece that Connor Riley has at uh, dognation.com. Uh, we talked about the Bill Conley stuff off the top of the show, the ESPN analytics expert, kind of measuring that returning production for the upcoming year. One of the things that uh, Conley does remind you, though, uh, is, is that um, – while Georgia is is not super high necessarily on the returning production uh, situation, uh, other programs aren't necessarily wildly better either. Think about the top national championship contenders. So Georgia's 96th overall in returning production. That's way down because of the uh, defensive imbalance there. Georgia actually brings back a decent amount of its offense. But Bama's not wildly better. They are 65th. Watch out for Ohio State, though, 25th. You know, Ohio State was not a playoff team last year, lost to Michigan. But they do bring back, you know, decent amount of returning production. That's elite players performing at a high level coming back for this upcoming year. Quarterback, wide receiver, especially also running back too. This is a really good Ohio State offense a year ago that expects to be the case this upcoming year. So, you know, expect the Buckeyes to remain a part of that championship chase involving UGA and Alabama here for this upcoming season. Speaking of chasing championships, that's what the Los Angeles Rams are also hoping to do on Sunday, chase one down. And boy, how cool is this to see? This isn't Georgia putting this out on Twitter. This is the Rams putting this out on Twitter. The week of the Super Bowl, giving a shout-out and some love to UGA. How about the three players on the active roster from uh, UGA? Matthew Stafford, of course, the quarterback. Sony Michelle back in the Super Bowl again, this time as a member of the L.A. Rams. And uh, Leonard Floyd uh, there also with the uh, la rams they call them super dogs obviously georgia's pretty quick to retweet this out and they should just fun to see and in the case of in the case of stafford here in particular this seems like it's kind of his moment and you understand why waited a long time for this kind of nfl glory on a very bad detroit lions team and there was a really good story to espn.com the other day about how so many folks who play with him in detroit seem to be rooting for him so many fans of the lions seem to be rooting for him now in la sometimes we see this in pro sports where detroit sort of feels like stafford's their guy even though he's now playing on another team they're hoping he gets that super bowl success and you know for as cool as all of this is from a georgia standpoint georgia can clearly use this in recruiting and almost certainly will it also is just kind of a cool thing for stafford too i mean i remember when when he was a signee or a commit coming to George, you already had guys like Mel Kuyper and others saying he's going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft one day. 
that's a lot to live up to before you've even enrolled in college. And it kind of comes from sort of a ritzy part of Dallas, whatever. And there's just this, um, it'd just be very easy for all of that to just kind of fizzle out where when life comes that easy for you, sometimes you don't always quite have the, the edge that you need to face whatever adversity comes your way. But that does not seem to have been a problem for Matthew Stafford, that he has come through kind of this golden child life as seemingly pretty well adjusted and seemingly, you know, uh, pretty well grounded. That speaks, I think, well of his personality. I think it speaks well of his of his character, I guess, is is what I'm trying to say here, that, you know, (laughs) as crazy as it sounds, sometimes having every advantage in life isn't always the easiest thing uh, because of what it does to you. In the case of Stafford, he seems to be actually pretty good shape here, and it would seem to be a culmination of a pretty nice feel-good story if he does truly go out and win that thing uh on sunday a lot of georgia fans will be rooting for stafford to do just that with no disrespect to trey hill there on the other side another georgia themed story here a little bit as we're technically still cruising around the sec so our football scoop reported this that kurt benedict most recently a staffer at duke kind of a special teams ace that's what he's sort of thought to be uh you see that uh there from him special teams uh, analyst uga this was first reported by our friends at football scoop that that is what he is uh what he is doing of course uh kirk benedict i loved his work in the a team as a kid in the 80s and then before that reruns of uh battlestar galactica of course, I'm kidding you. That was Dirk Benedict. But nonetheless, Kirk Benedict is thought to be a little bit of a special teams ace here. And that, as in kind of an off-field support staff role, would seem to be the the solution right now for what George is going to do with its on-field coaching staff, which is a little more heavily geared towards you know, dividing the special teams responsibilities up amongst the 10 on-field coaches. Some folks have wondered what this means for the future of Scott Cochran. I've never really gotten the impression that Cochran was ready to step back into an on-field role right now. That just didn't really seem like that was in the cards necessarily, at least based on what I've kind of been told there. But uh, that doesn't certainly preclude Cochran from still being an important part of this organization in a similar support staff role that that he has been in since he left the on-field role uh, last season. And you know, this is the the support staff stuff. The analyst stuff is is not like the hard cap that exists on ten on field coaches. There isn't the same kind of limitation related to your sports staff stuff. So, in the case of Benedict, I don't think he gets in the way of anything that Cochran might have been doing for this uh, organization. Nor does he get in the way of anything else there as well. That this is one of the ways that the haves continue to be the haves. The rich get richer. This is how you do that. You have a big, fully filled out organization of support staff guys, analysts, quality control guys, whatever you want to call them, and bring in a guy like this who's got a lot of acumen related to special teams. Seems like that's a a pretty good way to do all of that. And so for now, we'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean with our SEC through, admittedly kind of a slightly UGA-themed version of that there today. Uh, Let me also turn our attention to recruiting here uh, just for a moment. We'll do some kind of cool stuff uh, related to all of that. So you'll remember the other day when – uh, uh brian mcclendon was first hired as georgia wide receivers coach had a lot of folks responding to this and one of the guys that had one of the more profound responses to it all was brandon ennis a uh, very highly ranked 2023 wide receiver a guy that you'd love to see georgia be involved with and ennis was certainly quite complimentary of uh, of georgia's hiring of mcclendon as uh it's a uh, wide receivers coach let me show you ennis on twitter about this he says wait and you remember this we talked about on the show at the time he says wait what coach Mac just went to a uga and he kind of gave you the mind blown emoji sort of showing you that he was pretty excited about that well Raymond cottrell georgia wide receiver commit 
uh, in noticing what McClendon had said, kind of uh, went to work trying to recruit him, saying, said, yo, um, he said, I know you like uh, Brian McClendon. He says, let's both get coached by him and me outside. You uh, slot even be reversed. I'll play slot. You can play outside. We can make it happen. He says, gang, let's do it. So uh, Cottrell there kind of uh, pushing Ennis to join him at UGA. And uh, Brandon Ennis then comes back on Twitter, gives a little response back to all of that. And this is one of those things we always love to see. And I will say that, you know, in this day and age where players, I would think, want to kind of increase whatever, you know, name, image, likeness value they have, I think this is one of those things uh, that can certainly help you do that like there's nothing that georgia fans love more than seeing recruits recruiting on behalf of uga it's one of the things that made guys like uh richard lecount popular over the years probably Nolan smith popular over the years a lot of georgia guys who've just been really act uh julian humphrey for this most recent class a lot of georgia guys just really active pushing other players to join them at uga fans always love that kind of thing so kind of fun to see cottrell and ennis going back and forth with that right there hey another quick message i want to give you before we say goodbye to you today that if you've been injured in a car accident if that's something that uh you've dealt with i want you to call the wilson pc uh for this because they're going to provide you signature service and signature results to every single one of their clients who may kind of find themselves in an unfortunate situation of being injured in a uh, in a car wreck like that. Uh, that means you're going to have a dedicated and experienced uh, team making sure that you receive the specialized treatment that you deserve for your injuries and how to get compensation for those injuries in a way that you deserve. So don't get treated like you're just another client of just another wreck case, just another attorney like this. Go to somebody who's going to give you that specialized treatment. Go to somebody who's going to treat you like you matter. That is what the Wilson PC will do for you. So let me give you a number to call. It's 855-247-WILSON. That's 855-247-WILSON. Or you can go to thewilsonpc.com. That's thewilsonpc.com. Get signature service, signature results. Get what you deserve with the Wilson PC if you've been injured in a car wreck. All right, a couple of golden shoes as we say goodbye to you here today. Let me begin with this. One of the things I love is all the national championship paraphernalia we're seeing right now. Some of it's on your body. Some of it's hanging on your walls. Sometimes even hanging outside your house there as well, including our buddy Scott Harris who shares that. How good is that national championship flag look showing off the uh, home? And if you look back there in the back, you see a package that's been delivered. If Scott's like a lot of Georgia fans, not only does he have the UGA national championship flag, but that box that's at the doorstep, that's probably more UGA apparel there as well. Uh, so really good to see. In fact, I even see some more Georgia stuff back there in the corner there too. That is a well-decorated, well-appointed home. And the national championship flag there in the forefront is good as anything. So good stuff from Scott Harris will make you a golden shoe winner for today. Also, Daniel Hammock checks in with the uh, top dogs. He said, I didn't know Santa was still making deliveries. That is great to see. Daniel, appreciate that. And mentioned earlier about Brian Harson. This is really funny. Uh, on uh, on Twitter, somebody sent me this video. Uh, we'll give a uh, golden shoe to Mike Q here. You've seen the meme before of the child swinging in the playset with the fire burning in the background uh mike q shares this uh from pregame empire on twitter saying this is all representative of auburn fans enjoying the basketball season while the football team is an absolute mess and yeah that's about what it looks like right there so pretty funny stuff from pregame empire appreciate mike q sharing that will make him a golden shoe winner today too also gator hater updater 4781 days since florida's won a national championship and a gator hater countdown 200 61 days from right now dogs back in jacksonville getting another win over those lousy stinking gators we will see all of you tomorrow right here on dog nation daily presented by merriweather and thart we'll look forward to talking to you then
And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, R.S. Andrews is the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. And some of the comments today related to the topic from yesterday that we got into related to interesting reporting in Sports Illustrated related to the push to make college football players employees. And listen, I think that reasonable people can disagree about any number of subjects. And I won't pretend that my opinion on this is the only one that matters. But I am just really skeptical of all of this for the simple fact that I can't really find a majority of stakeholders anywhere within college, certainly college football, where this seems to be a desired outcome, certainly not for coaches, administrators. And you can say they have a vested interest against that. That's maybe the case. But I'm just suspicious that players even want this. There are some people that seem to be really excited about this small handful of activists, huge number of the media. In fact, of, of all of the, the, the pillars of college football, the only group that seems to be at least the best that I can tell, overwhelmingly in favor of this kind of like radical change in the sport seems to be the media that covers the sport. I just am really skeptical about that right now, which is not to say that you don't have a right to think that unionization and employee status is a, is a really good thing. You have every right to, to feel that way. But I'm just skeptical of how fast all of this seems to be occurring when it's very hard to find players who are willing to step up and say, hey, yeah, this is what we want. This is what needs to happen. So let me read a couple of comments related to that. Mark Morris weighs in on Twitter to say, my take on the unionization issue, for those who run the union, it's money. Football only dues. If you have a, a 130 teams with 100 players in each team at $50 a month for the dues, that's $7,800,000 per year for somebody, um, which I think is kind of true that anytime you're trying to consolidate influence consolidate power it almost seems like well somebody wants to be on the top of that consolidation and it's you always you always see this like people seem to be very bothered by the fact that uh college football isn't centrally planned there's a pocket of people out there that seem to have this weird obsession with central planning they just like the idea of everything kind of emanating from some either powerful bureaucracy or powerful you know you know head of an organization you know they don't like the idea that college football is kind of it's just kind of decentralized. College football is kind of open source in, in a lot of ways. And I think that's where college football's power kind of comes from. It's not easy to control college football. And I think for the most part, that's good because I don't think many of us have full faith in those who would attempt to try to control. So when you have things that are a little bit more decentralized, it's just kind of harder to have control over. That's a real problem, I would say, for some people. So you always see this attempt to, hey, we got to consolidate power. We got to have somebody in charge of the sport. Uh you know, we got to have, you know, you know, you know, somebody that's in charge of all these players. You got to have some sort of union or something like that. I, I, no one has laid it out in clear terms for me how that would actually benefit most players. In fact, there's plenty of argument for how it would not benefit them in terms of the fact that if you become an employee, employees can be fired. And look at the NFL. The NFL does not have 85-man rosters because those players are employees. They have 53-man rosters. That once a player goes from being a student athlete to being an employee, all of a sudden you're going to run – uh those organizations very very differently like it's going to be pretty common i would say in the age of players as employees for the number of employees you choose to employ to be far lower than the current number of players who are on scholarship that that all of this is going to as we talked to terrence edwards about a little earlier all of this could end up resulting in just fewer players playing college football fewer players have an opportunity to play college football and how is that better overall for the sport if fewer guys are getting a chance to play it uh, Jim Dog eighty five also weighs in at DogNation.com on the same subject to say, 
He says there's one reason activists are pushing employee status. He says it's money. It's a little bit similar to what uh, Mark Morris said. Not only for the players, but for the myriad of agents, lawyers, and accountants that are going to be on the line to take a percentage of their earnings of the players. And I do think this is kind of important here, that that if you're a player and you go from the current world we live in to the kind of world that's being described by others, you really are just trading one boss for another. Right now, your boss, so to speak, is your coach. He controls your playing time. He controls a lot of things related to you. But the moment that you kind of wriggle free of, of that relationship, then all of a sudden now you've just got different people telling you what to do. You know, agents, marketing companies, things like that. All of a sudden now you've got to listen to them. Now you have every right to tell them no, but, but there's you know, th- this notion that you're ever going to obtain like full autonomy, that's just probably never going to happen. Uh, Jim Dog also writes in to say, also for the most part, students do not have to pay taxes on the value of their scholarships. So they become employees. Now they could have to pay taxes on those earnings. In addition, they will start having to pay for individual tuition, books, meals, uh, trainers, health care, everything else. Or you sort of wonder if, you know, the idea that, you know, players are students at all, does that just kind of go away? That all of a sudden now as employees, uh, they don't even have to go through the charade of going to school. And, you know, some people may like that better because they think that the current model is just a, you know, hypocrisy anyway. But. I mean, how much does the presence of some college benefit most people that in the categories of education, high school diploma, college diploma, postgraduate degree, there's also that person who graduates high school, goes to some college and maybe doesn't finish the degree. But I think that most research will show you that those people have at least some benefit from having some college experience that that, you know, it seems like if you're pro education, you would believe that whatever education we could provide somebody is kind of a good thing whether they you know result in a degree or not so once again if we're really trying to better the lives of the young men who play college football is untethering the sport from education really better for the players i <laughs> i have a hard time understanding how it would be but um it's a discussion that will be ongoing so um uh but Jim Dog finishes by saying this, that unless the players and their families stand up and speak out against these changes, they're going to be swept up in them. I think that's really pretty important because the dog that's not barking right now is you don't hear a bunch of players uh, stepping up and saying, hey, we demand to unionize, you know, uh, power to the people like 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 you don't hear a lot of that kind of argument going on. That dog is just not barking at the moment. And go back to like the let them play movement before the start of the 2020 season when there was a big push by Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and others to come out and play uh, uh, the 2020 season. And remember how all it was this, all this like you know giddy response by some in the media of "Ooh, players understand their power now. Now they're banding together. They're going to unionize." But that's not what they wanted. They just wanted to play football. They didn't want the sport taken from them by you know these unseen bureaucrats at the at the conference administration level. They didn't want to unionize. They didn't want to band together. They just wanted to play under the current model. They didn't want to radically change the model as the way in which the media wishes they would. They just wanted to play football, and that's all they really wanted. You know, beyond that, they just weren't really interested in anything else. Now, there's always going to be some you know rogue radical somewhere who you know may want something, but. Certainly those voices, as amplified as they are, they don't seem to be all that representative of the larger body of student-athletes. They just don't. And so I think this is worth paying attention to. And I do think that at a certain point, players are going to have to speak up or you know, hearing from future prospective players, recruits, about, hey, am I even going to have an opportunity to be on scholarship somewhere? Because 
that's what seems like they really want. And I know that's a little bit of a soapbox for me on that, but I do think every now and then you have to sort of ask the question of what do we want college ball to be? And are we just going to stand by and watch a few people just radically change the sport because they somehow think it's going to be better, whether the majority of people agree with that or not. I think at some point in time we have to ask, you know, are we just going to go along with all this? I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'd love to have you weigh in. Your opinion does matter to me on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the video comment section when we, or should say, when we post the podcast at dognation.com. There's a comment section at the bottom. You can insert your comment there, and I'll be happy to read it here. And if you disagree with what I'm saying, I definitely would love to hear from you on that because I want every perspective heard from it. I don't want to be a blowhard that just gives only my opinion. But in this particular case, I do think this is a, a subject that we ought to be watching and, and paying close attention to. So thanks for being here for the RS Andrews Cooldown. Appreciate that. Check out RS Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time. They do work that's promised for the price that's promised. Heating system, get that system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Well, we've still got some cold weather left to come here this winter. RSAndrews.com for more on that. Y'all have a great day. See you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Merriweather and Tharp. Look forward to talking to you then.